Welcome to Metro Health's Prescription for Hope. I'm John Campanelli. A year ago, during the first weeks of COVID, we lost the great Bill Withers, who wrote some of the most iconic songs of our time. Lean on me. Ain't no sunshine. Just the two of us. But it was this song that he always said was his favorite. Grandma's Hands. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands. It's a different kind of love song. An ode to a woman whose hands clapped in church, soothed unwed mothers, and picked him up each time he fell. The end of the song is bittersweet. He laments that he doesn't have grandma anymore. If I get to heaven, I'll look for grandma. This moving masterpiece becomes even more poignant in the time of COVID. Older folks, grandmas and grandpas, have taken the worst of the pandemic in sickness and in isolation. All of us, even if we're fortunate to still have our grandmothers, have missed the touch of grandma's hands. COVID's toll on our relationships isn't talked about much. The pandemic's other tolls in human life, the economy, equality, education, seem to take up all the attention. Robert L. Smith, director of Metro Health's medical staff assistance program, wants that to change. You know him as Dr. Bob, caregiver to the caregivers. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know his calming voice, soothing temperament, and comforting wisdom. He's back to talk about the pandemic's toll on relationships and how COVID might offer the perfect opportunity for us to focus on love. And we can do it, he says, with the help of Grandma. COVID gave us the gift of time. And it gave us this moment to reflect. Reflect upon ourselves, reflect upon our relationships, reflect upon our lives. Where are we going? What are we doing? I mean, we're going to come out of this and we're not going to be the same. So how will we be different? Will we be different in a positive way, in a constructive way? Will we have grown and learned? And that's what's important right now. Many people are struggling. The National Institute of Mental Health has identified there's a a mental health pandemic right now. Anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, drug overdose, suicide. All of these are at levels we have not seen in decades. We need to come together. We need to support each other. We need to surround ourselves with people who lift us up and not people who put us down. This story about a grandfather and a granddaughter. So they've always been close and they've always shared. And she's confided in him and they've had this special relationship. And she's dating this guy who the grandfather knows is not the right person for her. He finds fault in everything she does. He criticizes her for her appearance. He just 
picks at her. And the grandfather notices that she's starting to change. She seems less confident, more insecure. And she's always worried about this boyfriend and what he thinks and what he's saying. And so the grandfather brings it up to her one day and she tearfully confides that she really loves this young man and that she wants him to approve of her. And the grandfather says, you know what? He takes off his watch. He says, I want you to take this watch. I want you to go to the pawn shop and ask them how much money they'll give you for it. So she takes the watch, she goes to the pawn shop, she shows it to the owner and the owner looks at it and he goes, well, it's an old watch. I get $10 for it. She comes home, she tells her grandfather, well, pawn shop owner said he'd give you $10 for it. Grandfather says, that's, that's good. Now I want you to take it to a jewelry store. And so she does. She takes it to the jewelry store, the jeweler looks at it and he goes, that's a pretty nice watch. I give you $100 for this watch. She comes back and she goes, the jeweler said he'd give $100 for the watch. Grandfather says, that's really good. I want you to take this to the museum. And she goes to the museum and she takes the watch in and she shows it to the curator and he says, oh my golly, I have not seen one of these in years. This is a very rare watch. I would love to have this for our collection. I would give you $10,000 for this watch. The granddaughter comes running home. She goes, Grandpa, the watch is worth $10,000. He goes, what have you learned through this activity? She thought about it for a minute. She says, well, the museum knew the value of the watch. So that's right. We have to be very thoughtful about who we surround ourselves with. Some people can't see our value and they treat us like we're worth $10. Other people get to know us and they can see that special person we are and they know that we're worth $10,000. That's what relationships are about. How we treat each other, and how we build that intimacy and that nurturing that lifts us up. And it's interesting, we have two types of loving relationships. Hopefully the first one is with ourself. And then the second one is what we have with other people. And for many people, the first one is the challenge. And that gets in the way sometimes of being able to have good relationships with others. Well, can we talk about that a little bit? Because there's one person we spend most of our time with. There's one person we talk to the most, and that's ourselves. But yet, in many cases, we're, we're kinder to a stranger on the street than we are to the person who's with us all the time. That relationship is the one that we have to deal with every day, 24-7, throughout our entire lives. The relationship we have with ourselves. And inside our head is this conversation where we're having a dialogue about everything that's going on. As we're talking to other people, as we're going through our day, there's this little voice in our head 
And if we're not careful, it's evaluating, judging, criticizing, demeaning, putting us down, finding fault with everything we do. And for many persons, that's their day. One criticism after another self-criticism. And at the end of the day, they feel worthless, unlovable, as if they have no value. In healthcare, it's terrible. Because in healthcare, our challenge is to never make a mistake. Because if we do, it will negatively affect a patient. Well, when you have those kinds of standards, that becomes perfection. So then we're doomed. So then each time we make a mistake, we feel like we failed. Now, what's interesting is we've got a whole new area of research that's focusing on a thing called self-compassion. And it just it makes me smile just talking about it because compassion we can all relate to. Caring, concern, understanding, patience, nurturing, support, encouragement. If we ask a person, how do you treat yourself? Well, it's subjective, but we can still operationalize it. We can still identify the characteristics. When you talk to yourself, are you understanding, supportive, caring, patient? I mean, we can ask those questions. Or are you critical, demeaning? And people can reflect and give you feedback about how they treat themselves. Well, the cool thing about this is we now know from research two things. One, we can teach people to be more self-compassionate. And when self-compassion goes up, self-esteem goes up, self-confidence goes up, relationships improve, performance at work improves, our ability to adapt, to change, all those things get better. And it's all about how we talk to ourselves. The whole self-compassion thing begins with the concept. I'm going to illustrate it with a dollar bill. So a dollar. A dollar is unique. Each dollar has its own serial number. And at the time of printing, it has value. One dollar. A hundred pennies. Ten dimes. Four quarters. That's its value. During the life of the dollar bill, a lot of things will happen. It may get all crumbled up. It could end up on the ground and people could step on it. We could take this dollar bill and we could write all over it, worthless, no value. We could take the dollar bill and we can rip it in half. In spite of all that, this is still worth one dollar. It hasn't lost any of its value. I take this to the bank, it's still worth 100 pennies, 10 dimes, 4 quarters. I tell the story because that's true for us. And self-compassion begins with that understanding. And then we work on that voice in our head. One of the things I coach people to do to build self-compassion. Yeah, tell how, how we can, how do we change that voice? You think about somebody in your life, some special person who's been your cheerleader. 
always, no matter what. They were always there. And you think about how they talk to you. Okay, so who's this person for you? Tell me how... how... There's one special person, particularly when I was younger, my grandmother, who always called me Bobby. So if I screwed up, she'd say, Bobby, get over here. Sit down. Tell me what you did. There was no glossing over. There was no rose-colored glasses. No, no. Sit down. Tell me what happened. Yeah, you screwed up. You can cry about it, but you still screwed up. Now, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to make it right? What did you learn from this? And when it was done, get over here. Give me a hug. You know I love you. We're going to get through this. Wow. What a great message. I love you. We're going to get through this. Think if our own message in our head, no matter what we did, no matter what happened today, in our head we said, I still love you. It's okay. We're going to get through this. And learning to take that person's voice and embrace it and bring it in and make it part of how you talk to yourself, that's self-compassion. So now today, I imagine she's been gone for a long time. When you catch yourself, do you do you have grandma come into your head and talk to you? Oh, sure. Too bad you can't give yourself a grandma hug, you know? Well, you know, the fortunate thing is I have a wonderful relationship. I am blessed that I am with the woman I met in high school. And we will be married this coming summer, Linda and I, for 45 years. Wow. High school sweethearts, wow. So you got to tell me real fast how, uh, I'm just interested in how you guys met and when you knew. You got to tell me that story. So what's funny is my father worked for the school system where I went to school. He was in charge of the mechanics for all the buses and all the vehicles that the school owned. And that summer, the school hired me to work in the bus garage. So I'm 17, I've got a driver's license. I would go and get the buses and drive them over to the bus garage where they would work on them. And so I'd spend a good part of the day driving buses back and forth. And I was feeling pretty cool because I'm 17 years old and I can drive a big bus, you know? Next door to the bus garage is a house where my wife lived with her family. And I'm driving the buses back and forth, and there's this beautiful young woman who's outside painting the garage of her house. And I get over to the garage and I go, who lives next door? Because she's really cute. And sure enough, her father drove bus for the school. And he came over and they, my father and he knew each other. Well, they kind of did a little introduction thing and the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, some guys like to drive convertibles or sports cars to try to, you know, it worked with a school bus. For you. Had a yellow bus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we talked about self-compassion and the relationship with ourselves. How important is having that foundation to being able to have then uh, 
45-year, happy, fulfilling, loving marriage or any kind of relationship, is, is, do you need one for the other? Oh, sure. If I don't think of myself as lovable, as having value, then how can I ever believe that anyone's going to love me? And how can I ever let anyone get close enough to me? Because if I become vulnerable and I let them in, they'll see how broken I am and they'll run away. But in the same way that I have to be thoughtful about how I talk to myself and how I treat myself, I have to be thoughtful about how I approach relationships with others and how they treat me. Because now it's reciprocal. It's about how two people treat each other. And then that's when we really get into love the verb, the, the actions. And I've got a little list. Honesty and trust, respect and equality, communication and understanding, support and encouragement, acceptance and forgiveness. All of those are actions, things we do in a relationship. And they have to be reciprocal, going back and forth. Go over those again. So we start with honesty and trust. Then we have respect and equality. I need to treat my friend, my partner, this other individual, in a respectful, caring way, always. And part of that respect is that we're equal. I'm not better than you. I'm not less than you. And what does that mean? Your thoughts, your feelings, your needs, your wants, your desires are equal to mine. And so then after that, we get to communication and understanding. That's huge. If you think about it, so often our communication is not about understanding. It's about me telling you what I think, telling you what I want. And then there's support and encouragement. Do I step outside of myself and my ego for a moment and stop thinking about what I want and listen and support what you want and encourage you and lift you up? And then lastly, acceptance and forgiveness. I had a tailor once. Italian Taylor, guy was wonderful. And I'll never forget the time he said, relationships are like a suit. When you pick out a suit off the rack, you want it to be as close to the right fit as possible. Because if you alter the suit too much, you'll ruin it. Mm. How, how wise. We want to find a partner who shares our values our goals, our perspectives, and we want to be able to accept them for who they are. Now, the counterpart to that, of course, is forgiveness. Everyone makes mistakes. I am going to be insensitive at times. I am going to let my wife down, my friends down. I'm just not going to be there. And as my grandmother said, I have to own it. I have to apologize. I need to make amends but I need them to be able to forgive me. Without forgiveness, there's no healing, and the relationship probably can't survive. 
because we'll have this resentment and bitterness and anger about this thing that happened months, years ago, and we're going to be carrying it around. And the key is to be able to let go of that, and that's what forgiveness is about. It's about allowing us to move forward. What is the value of the full dimension, the full experience of love and relationships to health and well-being? What a great question. You know, we talk about well-being and all the various components that go into it. We have research that shows us now that a loving relationship helps prevent illness, helps promote recovery from illness, contributes to longevity. I mean, on so many levels, what we know is our connection with others is an essential part of our life. Positive psychology now has a definition of of happiness. And one of the most significant components is positive relationships. Certainly accomplishment is important. Having, you know, a sense of connection with our values and living in a way that's consistent with our values. But if we do all these other things in a vacuum, alone, it somehow is hollow. It feels empty. Do you ever see like that beautiful sunset, particularly over an ocean? And if you're there alone, oh, for the moment it's great. And then it's like, you want to share it. I think that for most people, life was intended for us to share. And without that friend, that family member, that loved one, that partner, it starts to feel empty. And I think that for many people right now with COVID, they're feeling that emptiness and we have to help them. We have to help them by reaching out. We have to help them figure out how to connect. And we have to show the compassion to ourselves and to them so that we all can get better. I think that's how we're going to achieve well-being in the coming year. Thank you so much. In my head, instead of grandma's voice, I'm going to have your voice affirming <laughs> me. I tell you, you know, I thought about this, and I really do believe this is the important stuff right now. This ties into the racial inequity. This is about how we treat one another. This is really what it's about. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Until then, wash your hands, wear your mask, get your shots, and know your value. Wow.